If you have your Bible, can you turn to Luke chapter 19, please? We're up to Luke chapter 19 together. And we're going to be reading a very famous section of Scripture. This is uh, an account of the final personal interaction that Luke records of Jesus. Um, An interaction with an individual before the crucifixion. We are probably 10 days away in this moment from the crucifixion. So with that as the backdrop, we're reading this interaction that Jesus has with this character called Zacchaeus. And, uh, and whilst it might be a very familiar passage of Scripture to us, um, as I've been reading and preparing, it's amazing how even the most familiar stories There's so much there for us to learn about Jesus, to learn about God, to be challenged by. At least that's what I found this week as I've been looking at it. And I really hope we'll all see that this morning as we read. Let me just uh, begin by asking you a a few questions. Um, How liberal do you think you would be with salvation if you were God? If it was down to you, If you got to determine who got saved, how freely do you think you would forgive people and issue forgiveness? Is there anyone in particular who you think, actually, do you know what? That individual just needs condemnation. Do you have anyone like that? Do you have anyone for whom actually the idea of them being forgiven is a step too far? Do you have anyone in mind who would fit that description, I wonder? Is there an oppressor? Is there someone just so evil that the very notion of them being forgiven is too difficult an idea? Now, in this room, I can guarantee there will be a number of you who will think, did you know what? Yeah, actually there are, genuinely. What we're going to see today in this passage is that there is grace even for wealthy oppressors. There's grace even for wealthy oppressors. And I hope as we read through this, we will celebrate that grace as it points us to the extravagant mercy of God. And there is mercy today for all of us to receive. Let's read together Luke 19 and the first 10 verses. Luke 19. He entered Jericho and was passing through. There is a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So, running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus, since he was about to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, because today it is necessary for me to stay at your house. 
So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. All who saw it began to complain. He's gone to stay with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor, Lord. And if I have extorted anything from anyone, I'll pay back four times as much. Today, salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. Father, we just love Jesus so much. It's just so good to have the opportunity this morning, once again, to just take these few minutes ahead of us to look at Jesus and to learn from his example, to see in him just how great and vast is the love of God and the mercy of God, how tender, how personal, how it's able to break down all kinds of boundaries and barriers and obstacles, how nothing is too great for the love of God to win and to save and to have even the most wicked of individuals. We praise you, Father, for Jesus. We praise you for his salvation. We praise you because today he is with us here by his Spirit, still seeking, still finding, still saving, still ransoming, rescuing, still doing those things. Lord, we are here as living proof of that fact. So I pray, help us, Lord, help us to encounter you again this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. We're going to see several aspects in this narrative concerning Zacchaeus. Four things which I saw, which I just want to briefly go over. So firstly, we see that Zacchaeus is hindered. He's humbled. He's honored. And he's healed. He's hindered, humbled, honored, and healed. Let's just begin right at verse 1. Jesus is entering through Jericho. He's passing through Jericho. He has no plans, it would seem, to stay in Jericho at this point. Getting ever closer to the point of his crucifixion. Getting ever closer to the hour for which he came. Getting ever closer to the point where he secures the salvation of us all. The salvation of the very cosmos. He is moving steadily, certainly, towards the crucifixion. And in the chapters building up to this point, Jesus has been making it clear to the disciples and to those listening to his teaching what God is like and how God is determined to show mercy in a scandalous way to people who are so undeserving of it. We saw in chapter 15, Jesus teaching about the heart of God to go and find that which was lost, the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost sons. These were parables. These were illustrations. But they are illustrating a reality, the reality of who God is, 
the reality of what God is like, the reality of how God is working in this world, to gather to himself people from every nation, tribe, and tongue, rebels like me and you, rebels, people who rejected him. And yet his love goes after the rebellious ones, seeking and finding and rescuing them and bringing them home. It's not just theory. We're seeing in this story a real interaction that Jesus had. A real interaction with this guy who was not a pleasant individual. So verse 2. There was a a man named Zacchaeus. It is significant names when we find these names. It's always worth checking out. What does this guy's name mean? Zacchaeus is actually quite a popular name. Thinking about who this character is, do you know what his name means? Purity. Or just. Or righteous. Zacchaeus. Purity. Just. Righteous. And we're told he's not just a tax collector, but he is the chief tax collector. He is in charge of the tax collectors. So this is a man whose name is Purity, or Just, or Righteous. He's a Jewish man. And his occupation is working for the Romans, the Roman Empire, who have overwhelmed um, the known world at this time, overwhelmed Jericho, and are oppressing the people. Now, you think you pay a high rate of tax. They are gathering somewhere around 80% of earnings for tax at this point. Imagine that. And the one who is in authority to collect those taxes is one of their very own. And he's going into their homes and he is uh, demanding their tax. Maybe with a couple of big burly Roman soldiers offering him protection. And not only is he, is he gathering this money, but he is also putting a little aside for himself. And, and they know this is happening. This is one of our own, whose name is purity and just and righteousness. That's one of our own, stealing essentially from us finances that are going into this wicked empire. Zacchaeus. Ironically named chief tax collector, and he was rich. All of this is very important context for us as we work through this passage together. So he is hindered, right? Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming through Jericho, and the crowds have heard that Jesus is coming. Jesus, the guy who raises the dead. Who? The guy that gave sight to the blind. Jesus, the the one that fed 20,000 people with a couple of loaves and a few fishes. Jesus is coming through. Get your sick. Bring them to him. The crowd gathers in anticipation, expectant. Jesus is coming through. Zacchaeus is hearing all of this going on. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. He's hindered. And there are several things that are hindering him. He's hindered from coming to Jesus by his reputation. 
No one's going to say to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come on, mate. Jesus is here. No one is talking to this guy. Totally an isolated individual within the context of this community. He's hindered from what Jesus ultimately has come to give, which is salvation by the fact that he's rich. Strange thing to say, maybe. Well, not if you were listening last week when Steve was preaching, because last week we were looking at the rich young ruler. Do you remember? The rich young ruler comes to Jesus. He's actually quite proud of himself and his life and how he's done. Boasting and essentially of his own moral credibilities. And Jesus says, sell all that you have. Give it to the poor. Do you remember what happened? Couldn't do it. Walked away. And Jesus then said this to his disciples in Luke 18, verse 24. Jesus said, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, then who can be saved? Ah, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Is it a coincidence that immediately after this happened, we find Jesus and Zacchaeus meeting? But he's hindered by his wealth, and we've been looking at how wealth can do that and how it's such a temptation to each of us. Because in wealth and in riches, we can find security, we can find status, we can find power to do what we want, to live the kind of life that we want to live. So wealth can be a real hindrance, actually, to receiving God's salvation, to receiving the kingdom of God, as Jesus has been teaching. But he's hindered also by this crowd. He's hindered by the crowd. So the crowd have formed as Jesus is coming and Zacchaeus can't press through. He's hindered by the crowd. And as I said, no one's saying, come on, Zacchaeus. They're all ignoring him. And he knows he doesn't stand a chance. He's hindered by the crowd. I was thinking about this this week. I, I was talking to a friend of mine who I've known for many years. And he's gone through a really tough time with his church. Really tough. He's not been handled well. And he said to me this week, he said, Tim, I do love God. I just can't, I, I can't deal with the church. I'm so, I'm so hurt. I'm so disappointed. I just, I don't know what to do. Hindered by, you could say, hindered by the crowd. And tragically, that's not an isolated story. And it might be that some of you are here today and you don't know how you've managed to get along to church again because you may have a similar story to tell as well. Now, the perfect church we know doesn't exist, right? You've heard it said a million times. If you think you found it, don't join it because as soon as you do, it's no longer perfect. Right? You've heard that. So, listen, the perfect church doesn't exist, and I'm not here claiming that we are that. We're not. We are going to disappoint you. We need to be able to put our hands up when we know we've done something wrong and say we, we apologize. We need to be prepared and willing to do that. But it, do you know what? One of my biggest disappointments and discouragements, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, is seeing how the church can really wound people when Jesus isn't at the very center of its community. 
when something else dominates it. And this friend of mine who I love, seeing him in that place, he wants Jesus, he wants God, he wants to have relationship with God, but this crowd in front of me is inhibiting me from getting to him. So what am I to do? So where Zacchaeus was, the people don't want me anywhere near him. He's inhibited by his weakness. This is another one to think about. He was a short man, we're told. Short man. He couldn't see. couldn't see above the crowd. So he could quite easily have gone, ah, oh, do you know what? Forget about it. And he could go back home and he could be having a chat with a, a Roman soldier or whatever. Maybe the only person who might be prepared to talk to him. Did you, did you get to see Jesus earlier on? I heard he came through Jericho. Oh, too short, couldn't see over the crowd. No, I just gave up. But it's interesting how we can find all kinds of excuses and reasons why we're going to just walk away and give up on God. And it might be that there is a physical reason for that. It might be that there is an illness. It might be that there is some weakness. It might be that some circumstance has so impressed upon you a sense of, I just, I'm not going to bother because of this. So Zacchaeus, literally, Zacchaeus could have picked any one of these hindrances. He could have said, well, I, no one wants me to see Jesus. I, there's no point in me pressing through because I'd have to push through everyone. They're just going to push me over. I'm too short. I'm too unpopular. My reputation's too bad. Forget about it. He doesn't do that. He's humbled. Next thing he does, verse 4. So running ahead... He climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus. Running ahead. Now, I've seen lots of animated accounts of this story, right, for kids. They're not kind on Zacchaeus, right? You see this little guy in his robes running, running to a tree and scurrying up the tree. And he's a, he's a pretty pathetic sight. This wealthy oppressor but in this instant he, he genuinely he's so desperate to see Jesus he doesn't it seems like he doesn't really care what he looks like in this moment he climbs up a tree now even in our society today for a fully grown adult male to do that like if you were walking through River Park right you're going out for a walk and out of the corner of your eye, you spotted two-thirds up an oak tree, Steve Chick. <laughs> He's just sat there on a branch. <laughs> you're not a short Zacchaeus. I'm not, I'm not implying anything. I'm not implying and I'm just your respectable older man. <laughs> There's Steve Chick on the branch. You're like... What are you doing? What are you doing? Now, if you saw one of my boys up a tree, you'd be like, okay, makes sense. My boys are always up trees. Very, child, very childlike thing to do. I think it's, it's significant detail we're told about. He runs. He climbs a tree. He's humbled. He's not imposing his status. He's not imposing his power. He's not saying, do you know who I am? He's, he's living in shame. He's in this state of, 
desperation to see, just to catch a glimpse of Jesus. He goes up the tree. He's humble up there. Do you know what Jesus had to say about salvation? He said this in Matthew 18. The disciples came to him and said, Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child, had him stand among them. Truly I tell you, he said, unless you turn and become like children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You see, Zacchaeus has become like a child here. And for some of you coming along today, maybe took some humility. And maybe in a proverbial sense, you're finding yourself in a tree, wondering, might I catch a glimpse of Jesus? Might I have some, is there anything to it? And maybe this crowd here is a little bit of a problem for you, but you're kind of looking beyond it. Because you're hoping, maybe Maybe God is real. Maybe Jesus is the answer to my problems. Maybe you carry a sense of shame like Zacchaeus carried. Maybe you wonder what people think of you. Maybe reputation is hindering you. And yet you find yourself here, wondering. He's humbled. And then we find that he's honored. Verse 5. When Jesus came to the place, just imagine it with me. Jesus moves on. When he came to the place, he looked up. Just imagine Zacchaeus in that moment. What was he hoping for? He was hoping that he might get a glimpse of Jesus. Maybe if he climbed up, he could see him. This guy, what's all the fuss about? Then how does he feel as Jesus moves towards him and then looks up at him? Zacchaeus. Do you think that the general population used his first name when referring to him much? I think, they, I think his name stopped being used a long time ago. We, you know, later on, this sinful man, we call him a sinner, scoundrel, traitor, nasty piece of work, oppressor, reason why my kids are hungry is because of this guy. He's, he's an evil man. They would have had all kinds of names for him. But Jesus comes along, Jesus looks up, and he sees him. And maybe in that moment, what's going through Zacchaeus' mind? Am I going to get called out now? Is this my moment of judgment? And he says his name, Zacchaeus. It says in John 10, I know my sheep by name. I call them by name. You see, these accounts, my friends, are here for your benefit. This is what the Bible says. This is for our benefit. He knows your name. Jesus doesn't come and call you out by your reputation. He doesn't come and hit you with the unkind, cruel words that maybe others have spoken. Zacchaeus, hurry, come down, because today it is necessary for me to stay in your house. 
Everyone's like, what? Zacchaeus is like, you're going to come to my house? Jesus says, I'm coming. I'm coming to your house. And scholars will say of this, uh, this isn't just he's coming in for a, a cup of tea and a bakewell tart. This is coming to stay. So this is, I'm staying with you for a while. Going to need a bed. We're going to have to have some dinner. I'm going to come and I'm going to, I'm coming into your house. Do you know what he doesn't do? He doesn't go, Zacchaeus, do you repent of your wickedness? He doesn't, that's not what he says to him to start with. He doesn't come and say, Zacchaeus, you know you're a proper scoundrel. You need to sort your life out. If you're going to be a friend of me, come on, stop doing this. That's not what Jesus says here, is it? He goes, hey, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to your house. And so Zacchaeus hurries down, (laughs) runs to his house. Jesus and the disciples follow He's so honored by him. He is loved by him. He receives the affection of Jesus. And what do we find is happening here? Jesus is taking a rich man and he's threading him through the eye of a needle. How does he do it? By force, by fear, by guilt, by judgmentalism? He does it by pure grace. Unmerited, undeserved, extravagant. He loves this one that everyone else hated. Loved this one with this reputation. He got hold of him. And as it were, he melted him. Melted him. The old Puritans had that saying, the same sun that hardens the same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay when you think of the grace of God how does it what does it do to your heart you see the crowd here are going how dare he go to this man's house it's outrageous you see Zacchaeus was on their list of people that couldn't be forgiven he was on their list They were offended by this. And it's very challenging for us because we we may well have individuals in mind for whom if Jesus said, I'm coming to your house, I'm going to spend some time with you today, we'd actually feel a little bit offended by it. Maybe. Jesus has grace even for the wealthy oppressors. Grace for the oppressed. Grace for the oppressors. And he is healed. Zacchaeus said, look, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And Lord, if I have extorted anything from anyone, I pay them back four times as much. Did Jesus tell him to do that? No. No. He's healed. His heart's healed. His heart's been changed. He's had a transformation. This is a heart change which has taken place. That's what the grace of God achieves. That's what the grace of God achieves. That's what grace does. It comes and it changes us from within. Religion and legalism says, stop it, maybe, without the grace. 
And maybe you can get people to change that way. Maybe if Jesus came up to Zacchaeus and said, you rotten sinner, stop it now. I'm commanding you, go and give money to the poor now. He may be, he probably could have been so terrified, he maybe would have done it. But would we be applauding Jesus for that? Grace is so much more powerful than religion, so much more powerful than fear. The love of God, the love of God which casts out fear is stunning in operation. Love is the operative force upon Zacchaeus' heart. And you and and I have no ability to, to undergo that kind of transformation until we realize just how precious we are to God and how loved we are. And how despite it all, despite all of Zacchaeus' life, Jesus still wants him. Totally transformed, totally changed. Here's the thing. There's a yet more significant tree for Zacchaeus. There's a yet more significant tree for him. What's the most significant tree in Zacchaeus' life? It's not the tree of Luke 19, but the tree of Luke 23. It's the cross of Jesus. Do you realize that? That this isn't the most significant tree for Zacchaeus. Jesus could call Zacchaeus down from the tree of Luke 19 because Jesus himself was to go up upon a tree in Luke 23. Zacchaeus was humbled upon his tree. Jesus was humiliated. Jesus went to that tree in order to bring Zacchaeus down from his tree. The tree of the suffering of Jesus Christ is the tree that gives each and every one of us the opportunity to have Jesus come and live in our house, to come and stay with us, to come and be with us, to come and eat with us, to come and know grace and love and forgiveness. It's the tree of Luke 23 that Jesus was hauled up on just 10 days from this moment. That's where he was heading. And we are heading, aren't we, towards Easter right now, where we think of the incredible work that Christ did on our behalf. You see, his forgiveness is not cheap. The forgiveness of Zacchaeus. If the crowd were like, how can you forgive this guy after all that he's done? It makes no sense unless you understand the tree of Luke 23. How can Jesus forgive the oppressor? How can he forgive people who are perpetrating wicked acts and causing misery and pain to everyone? You can't find an answer for that question. The closest you come is by looking upon Jesus crucified as an innocent man, suffering in our place, punished in the place of the oppressor. It's not a story any one of us would have written, but it's the story of the gospel, and it is a story that is good news for all people, even people like this man, who was wildly despised. Grace for the oppressed, grace for the oppressor. His salvation is so much more powerful than you and I could ever 
fully grasp. And he is working today to seek and save people who are lost. You're not here by coincidence. You're not here by chance. You're not looking towards Jesus as some last-ditch hope. He is working his purposes. He is seeking you. He is saving. He is wanting to come and have friendship with you today. What an incredible opportunity that is. How do you know if that's true for you? Well, I, I would just ask, the work of the gospel, it goes into the depths of the heart. <coughs> do you know the, the love of God in your heart today? It was that which washed through Zacchaeus before any change happened. When Jesus met him at that tree, Zacchaeus, come down. The love of God washed through him first. Do you know that sense of the, the beautiful love of God in your heart?